0: I remember going home and telling my wife how excited I was and how much, how much I thought the meeting was amazing. And uh, she started crying (laughs) because she could see in my eyes that I loved it.
1: This is Ruckus Makers, a show about entrepreneurs where the mission matters and the status quo isn't an option. I'm your host, Zach Reinard, and in today's episode, we're talking with Rob Smith, owner of Smith Promotions, and his journey to restart his thriving business in a new state. Rob, thanks for being on the show today. Appreciate yeah. you, man. Thanks for being here. Um, Smith Promotions, you guys are in Twin Falls, you're in California.
0: Tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what you do. Uh, sure. We're... Um we're a screen printing embroidery business that uh we've been uh been doing it now for i don't know how many years it's hard to remember uh, but basically doing apparel for businesses and uh some schools and uh event-based stuff 5k 10k runs okay awesome what do you like do you love screen printing
1: i mean you take logos you take artwork and you put it on shirts You probably do that a lot, a lot of shirts. Does that ever get old or is it something you'd love to do?
0: No, that doesn't ever get old. Uh, I think this, especially screen printing, has kind of been my niche. And um, learning new techniques, you know, uh, and especially moving into like using automated equipment, you have to understand what the machine is doing and why it's doing it and how come the the print's not coming out the way you want it to. And that's a lot. It's a discussion that's fun. Yeah. All right.
1: How many shirts have you messed up in your life where you're like, oh my gosh, I have to throw that into the trash, bummer,
0: or donate it. Oh, thousands. Really? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And we try to keep that, like, we don't want to pass on to the customer, right? Like, so we try to... Sure. That just kind of happens, and we don't tell you. We just do another batch. Right.
1: Well, I mean, like, it's a manual process to some extent, right? Yeah. You've seen people, like, they take the shirt, they slide it onto the thing, and then they pull it down, and what if it's not center?
0: Oh yeah, that <laughs> loading the shirt is the most important piece. Well, shirt or garment, whatever whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Fun.
1: So, how do you get into screen printing? Like uh how how the the idea of like, hey, I can put something on a shirt. How would that start?
0: Uh that started with uh our our previous business was uh, skate shops. So, we were uh looking for a way to give away shirts at skate events as cheap as possible. So we figured out that a white t-shirt was really cheap and we could show up there with very low amount of uh, money. Yeah. If we could figure out how to do it ourselves and pass them out and try to uh, promote the shop.
1: So skate shops, when you say skate shop, my, my brain goes to zoomies of course. Yeah. Uh, that type of store or what'd you sell?
0: Yeah. Really similar to zoomies. You'd walk into the store Shoes on one side, skateboards in the back with all the, you know, they're all taken they're all apart. So you'd have to build them yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, definitely didn't have that many clothes. They don't, they have a lot of clothes, but more of a a skateboard shop and then offer snowboards in the winter.
1: Yeah. When I was 10 years old, I built a custom skateboard at Zoomies one time. Like I bought the deck, bought the trucks, the bearings, the wheels, everything. And that was one of the coolest experiences, uh, Ever until I broke my arm at the skate park, but it was it was still pretty fun. So did you so you build boards and, and all of that?
0: Yeah, we would custom build them. Uh, carry you know a selection just like how they are with like boards stacked on the wall, and you pick what you want it to put together. Okay, yep. cool. That's kind of fun. Did you start that company? No. So uh, my uncle started it with another partner, and then I came in. To start a second location. Oh, okay. And, uh, and how old
1: were you at that at that time?
0: What am I now? Thirty. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was about wow. thirty when we started that. And uh, yeah, it was it was a change, but um, was kind of searching at the time, and uh, knew that I really liked the idea of working for myself because my uncle had always worked for himself, and that. Mm-hmm. I knew what that gave you, the freedom it gave you. So it was yeah. appealing. Yeah, it did. So uh, Uncle started the skate shop. You were 30 years old. You're like, hey,
1: I, I want to do something different. I want to start up a second location. How long had the skate shop been operating before you started uh, that second like location? Just like two years. Okay, so it, it was it successful at that point?
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was, you know, that was late 90s. So it was like 98 or so. Okay. And uh, that was when that, was, that movement was just kind of getting hot and everyone was searching for those style of clothes. Yeah. So you would,
1: you had your, obviously your skate shop, so you're thinking, how do I drive traffic to the store? How do I build the brand? Mm -hmm. And so you're like, well, let's give away t-shirts at skate competitions or events Mm
0: -hmm. and it worked. Uh, what were those early events like? What did they look like? Um, a lot of them we built ourselves. So, um, because we had a skate shop, we can invite skate teams to come, uh, right to our parking lot. And, uh, we would build skate ramps uh, ourselves and prep it for, uh, for them to come. And, uh, then they would show up. We would do it right in front of the store and, uh, and pass stuff out and just, you you know, do the whole radio ad thing and, yeah. And drive people to the store. There you go. Uh. (laughs)
1: <laughs> How big was the skate market back in the nineties? I was—I I grew up with Tony Hawk, right? Like yeah. in like the video games and all of that world. Yeah. so it was—it was cool. Yeah, and
0: uh, what it was, was it like it, it was great. There was there was definitely a following, and it was it was pretty easy there for a couple of years. Everyone wanted to be a part of it. You know, it was kind of like you know when you go back to school shopping. Like you mm-hmm. go back to school shopping in our shop. Oh, really? And that's where they'd start. Wow. You know, get a couple pair of shoes couple pairs of pants stack of t-shirts and you were good to go wow
1: that's super fun so when you were a kid were you were you always kind of an entrepreneur type or or or
0: did you let's say did you listen well tell tell us about yourself as a kid (laughs) uh yeah i'd say i listened well but uh i always remember working you know like i had a paper route in sixth grade and uh you know like the actual like Mm-hmm. Papers on the front of your bicycle, like I, it flipped me over a couple of times. Ah. <laughs> like that type of paper boy. And um, my dad would get me side jobs, like picking up trash at like a dirt racetrack and, you know, whatever. I, I, I've always worked as long as I can remember.
1: Wow. Well, did, did that just come from your parents just wanting to instill that work ethic in
0: you or? A little bit, but, you know, I just... I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted wanted to be able to go get things that I wanted, and I didn't want to have to ask somebody for it.
1: Yeah, freedom. You wanted that that freedom. Yeah. Okay. So, graduated high school and then started working, or did you go to college? Or No, I kind of
0: went to college for like a month. For like a month? For, oh, okay. yeah. I was, I was just like in and out. I just didn't want to go. There you go. Uh, I actually... Uh, learned a, a big lesson about how much I didn't want to work for somebody was at Walmart and I uh, started working there. Turn it, they tried to turn it into a career for me. I uh, ended up being an assistant manager for a little bit. Yeah. And just like my first shift was nights mm-hmm. as an assistant manager. It's absolutely the worst job ever. So <laughs> that taught me to, it drove me to figure out something on my own. Yeah. So you were working hard. What what'd you end up doing after Walmart? This, you know, I did a couple odd jobs, but then it was often going to figure out the skate shop. Okay,
1: yeah. So you're about thirty years old. You're in the skate shop. H- how were sales w- with that location? Right, the second location. You have to buy a ton of inventory. It's that first year, make it or break it type moment. So you start slinging t-shirts to get traffic in the store. What what did revenue look like for that business?
0: That yeah um. We were doing probably around a million dollars a year. Oh wow. Uh but it was just just uh it really wasn't hard. It just kinda came. Um it ju- the, the 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 skate companies used to really protect businesses like us and they they wouldn't sell anything to Zoomies or wow. to, you know, like uh like Macy's has a huge section of skate stuff like it, it was, it was, we were protected. They, they wouldn't pass any gotcha. that on and give them the opportunity to even buy the goods. So if you wanted those brands, you had to go to local skate shops. Yep. It was only there. Wow. Okay.
1: Interesting. So you're, you're moving forward. You're, you're slinging t-shirts. What happened after that? Right. So you were, cause today you run a screen printing business.
0: You don't run a, a, some skate shops. What uh, happened next? Uh, we, we continued to learn more about it. We, we got more interest into it and realized that the skate the skate companies were using the same stuff that we could get blank. So, you know, we found that we could get the, the flex fit hat that everyone wanted. I could get that blank mm-hmm. and I could put the board shop logo on it and sell it in the board shop or give it away and just continue to try to grow the shop as oh, you can offer the best clothing with our name on it. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a local clothing company that, I, that went out of business and they had a forehead embroidery machine that we uh, they didn't want anymore. They were done doing clothing. And so we took that and started to learn how to embroider hats. Mm-hmm. Did you have to buy that equipment? Yeah, we bought the machine yeah. from them. I actually still have that machine in California. Wow. We kind of kept it as a little memento. Yeah. Still runs. Yeah. What'd you pay for it? Oh, boy. It's about 30 grand.
1: (laughs) Okay. There you go. Yeah. I mean, not a small investment by any means.
0: No, but we just really wanted to learn more about this industry that we're doing. and We didn't even realize what it was doing for us in all our time we were spending trying to find cool blank goods. Uh, so that's what I think has started to transition us into, you know, having these companies was, we really wanted to, you know, deal more with just like customers, one-on-one and more businesses rather than just like the mass amount of people going through the stores. Yeah. Um, and then the stores just kind of went away because of that, uh, they weren't protecting us anymore. The skate companies stopped protecting us, and then the the brand started going into these real corporate, yeah, big nationwide chains, and then we couldn't carry the same kind of inventory they had, and it just it just diminished us, right? Like little by little, just yeah. chipped away at us until just we traffic in the store starts to go down. At that point, yeah, we just couldn't keep up. And that was oh seven, oh eight. When when was that? That was probably 05. Okay. So there was definitely a couple years of some time of grinding and trying to figure out how we were going to get this business going. And, uh, we actually started doing, uh, concrete, we did driveway extensions. Wow. That's yeah. shop to mm-hmm. construction. Yep. Wow. Well, so we would do that Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then uh Monday through Thursday we would do screen printing embroidery just in a garage. Wow. And so we flipped between that before we uh finally met a, a friend of ours. He had a uh kind of a sticker shop, sign shop, and he was just getting into vehicle wraps uh, around that time, which that was early on for vehicle wraps. Yeah. Um didn't see it
1: a lot back
0: then. No. And he was he was all about it. That's what he wanted to do. And so, you know, his we he had a spot in there, and he kind of, we kind of sectioned it off. And he gave us a sleeve of his shop. So a lot of his customers, you know, they were business owners that had a fleet of vehicles, and they also needed shirts and hats for all of their employees. Yeah. And so they just kind of walk right next door and order from us. <laughs> and that was kind of another like launching point that yeah. pushed us into the market there in california
1: yeah so your your skate shop sales were winding down obviously the, if the brands are protecting you it's kind of hard at that point when you're yeah. competing with a macy's for example Yep. uh when did you realize that 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 business was not going to to last and that you had to pivot had to
0: pick something um it gets pretty (laughs) starts to get pretty dirty kind of, you know, like you, there's like 150 people asking you for money. That's when you start to figure out that (laughs) this isn't working. What are we going to do? How are we going to make this change? And what is it that we're going to do? You know, and as that started to happen and you start to hear people asking you more for a t-shirt or can you do this? Can you do that? And it's like, for some reason you start to hear it and you follow it and that was that was uh some things when you reflect back you you know that those there was some guidance there that was pushing in that direction
1: yeah yeah so you're printing on
0: the side business isn't working things
1: are kind of failing but you were like okay we need to pay the bills so we're going to start doing concrete mm-hmm. how'd you get into concrete?
0: Uh, my, I had another uncle that lived in town and, uh, he would start asking us to uh, wheelbarrow for him and, uh, he started to grow even bigger and he didn't want to do the smaller jobs anymore. And he's like, you guys should do it. Said, sure. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> I guess that's what we're going to do. You know, it was most of the time cash. So it was quick cash, but it helped us float. So that we can just pay pay the base amount of stuff that to keep us going, and to keep rent paid, and try to let that thing go as long as it can to to grow into the next thing, next phase, yeah. And what we're gonna do.
1: So you saw embroidery, screen printing, specifically as the future. You wanted to do a that type of business, a, a print business, basically. Yeah. For the future, that's what you were like. We want to do that.
0: Yeah, we we could really see that. That's where we were headed. That is the thing to do. That's fun.
1: Yeah. Interesting.
0: So uh those early days, what did sales look like for
1: startup Smith Promotions, right? <laughs> you and your brother, right? Started it together. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It was uh boy, I'd say it was like two hundred, maybe. Okay. On the first year. Yeah, and cost of goods or are- Huge chunk of that. Yeah, oh yeah. Costa Goods are a huge chunk of that. Had a one part time employee. You know, they'd come in and help clean or print for a little bit, but for the most part we were doing all the production and all the artwork. Every yeah. every customer interaction. We'd kind of split that, which we still do. Right. How'd you get customers? Um that was probably a mixture of you know the, the neighboring, the neighboring company, but also we, uh, as we were go- we were going to church and sort of like, just getting to know uh, our wives, you know, and the ch- and through the church, a lot of their family members in the the community own their own businesses, and uh, we just. Uh, just one after another just would start meeting them and meeting the, the ag businesses in the area were really good companies to work with. And they just had a huge need for that stuff. Yeah.
1: And, and were you working with small businesses, large corporations? Who are your people? Obviously, obviously it's kind of funny. You bump into someone at church and you don't realize that they're in charge of purchasing for a major corporation or, or whatnot, but who are those people?
0: Um, a lot of them were dairymen, uh, I would say, mm-hmm. the majority. And, but, you know, dairymen are also farmers. So, they're usually getting talked to a lot by salesmen who are giving them things. So then, they the dairymen were referring us to these sales guys. The sales guys were going back to their managers and saying, hey, we need to get our stuff from, from Rob and Tommy. And it, for some reason that just grew like wildfire. And cause the salesmen were trying to give merch to the dairy, the dairyman.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but the dairyman referred those guys to you mm-hmm. because they're like, we want good stuff. So we're we'll go work with these guys.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That was the way I saw it unfold as I, uh, you know, coming here, I've done a lot of reflection on that kind of stuff and, and how we grew and what we did because I'm kind of starting over here. Yeah. And that's been interesting to, to do it all over again. And I'm so, I was really comfortable in California, obviously. And now I've had to become uncomfortable again. Yeah. Were, were you lucky in finding that type of a strategy? You know
1: what I mean? Of, of earning those customers?
0: Mm, I don't know if it was luck. I'd, I'd have to say that it was... Uh, there's definitely uh a lot of faith that goes into that and uh i i did believe it for sure that uh there was there's someone watching over us yeah I i love all the luck phrases of yeah luck looks a lot
1: like work boots right and it knocks and you have you have the opportunity to make it happen but yeah. Okay. So so uh, let's push into 2008 timeframe. Mm-hmm. Uh, the market is going down, right? You're trying to grow this business. Did the market affect you on that level? I know it hit the housing market quite heavily.
0: Uh, what did it do for your promotional business? And no, I I think what was happening is there was just a, a change a little bit, and uh, you know people weren't just going to go with anybody that they didn't know you Mm -hmm. know there had to be that relationship there for them to to want to want to continue to spend money and uh and help out you know these new guys uh but i i really do believe it was all a plan and it was all set up and i i didn't have a whole lot of control over it it was just we were we were just meeting our wives we were just starting to date them we were going to the same church and it all went right along with business so it's too easy to see that yeah
1: yeah that's awesome yeah so uh you're pushing you're growing obviously in california things are going well uh what was the one of the hardest lessons you learned in in building a business there
0: um hard lesson growing too fast that, that was a hard lesson. Uh, we actually split into two locations because uh, we were trying to operate faster with uh, screen printing. And uh, it takes a lot of uh, uh, really kind of power, newer building. You have power problems big time when you try to get in and use a lot of equipment. And so we, we split into two locations, and that just... Confused our customers to no end. They, they didn't know where they were picking up. They didn't know if they were talking to me or talking to Tommy. He was at one yeah. shop. I was at the other shop. We have really complicated things by trying to grow too fast. If we would have sat back for a second and just waited for one building to get done, I think that would have been a lot smarter. Yeah. So you moved into two buildings because of like power issues.
1: Yeah. And it just wasn't working. So you just needed another building to make things happen.
0: Yeah and we we were at a room we needed that power found a new building but it was too small it just yeah that was that was a mistake yeah patience
1: right yeah. patience in the growth Yeah, uh, being willing to to say no to some things is hard mm-hmm. okay so uh you're in California uh, i've heard I, I obviously we're in Idaho i i don't know business regulations for for California <laughs> was it hard to operate a business in California compared to Idaho. Yeah. What, what were some of the things that were difficult?
0: Um, let's see. There's a lot more, um, regulations that, uh, California will, will bring in that I I think are even government regulations, but then they kind of double down on them like ADA requirements for your building, um, certain fire regulations. Uh, You have to have a fire sprinkler system that is monitored uh, just like an alarm system. So there's a monthly fee for that. Mm -hmm. But also the fire department comes in and they annually inspect it uh, along with a plumber that I have to pay to come out and flush the system and send that information to the fire department and pay the fire department for a license in order to have my sprinkler system it's monitored monthly. Yeah. I, the, it's, so you have to pay all these additional services and follow all these additional rules. And it's, it's so complicated. You can't even do it yourself.
1: Right. And you just wanted to print t-shirts.
0: Yeah, it's Like, I, I just want to help my customers and make stuff. Like I don't even understand what you guys are talking about. Just tell me what to do.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, you know, uh, it's interesting I've, I've only heard stories and, and I haven't experienced it but yeah so uh fast forward to 2020 mm-hmm. little thing called covid right mm-hmm. uh, you guys are working and um, we're talking a little bit before the you know before the show started about uh, what that was like for your company would you open up about that and, and how your company operated during that time
0: yeah we uh, we basically just kept operating uh, my brother and I started calling people. Uh, the essential businesses that we knew were still open and that I knew they weren't going to close. Hey, are you guys still planning to order this year? What's going on with that? And we kind of started doing some stuff that was six to eight, mo- eight months out,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: we started bringing it in right away and making it. Uh, and we were able to basically lock our doors kind of hide behind a fence and close the fence and our employees came into the back. And fortunately, you know, we had some long-term employees and I really think they had, you know, they all, I don't think they had similar beliefs as we did. Sure. They wanted to come to work. They didn't want to stop working. They didn't believe in unemployment. And that was, that was really good for us to continue going. And, I think kind of once once things started to, to let up and start opening up, that even grew our business again, all over again, just because we were there and we were ready to go. I don't think everybody else was. Yeah. Um, Did sales dip during that time? Yeah. They flat out stopped. Oh, wow. For a solid month, uh, besides the things that my brother and I were able to stir up, but... Yeah, all the events you can imagine shut yeah, down. True, all the events. Um, that that day after was uh was really concerning. How many people emailed and called? It was just an, a day long of canceling orders, the whole day. And mm. so that was really, really a weird day.
1: Did you have time to inventory already ordered?
0: Some like of it coming in. Yeah. I mean,
1: those are sunk costs, and you probably can't return those, I would assume.
0: Yeah, some of it you, we were able to return. Uh, I remember the the city rec department, we had already printed their order, and they were getting ready to come pick it up. Uh, and fortunately, they already had that in the budget, so they paid for that. I'm sure that's still sitting in their warehouse somewhere because they ended up closing their rec department altogether in that city. Wow because they never went back to doing anything. Mm. Yeah. Tough time. So, uh, coming out of COVID,
1: your team comes back together. Uh, let's say the city opens up a little bit more. You were, you were always together during that time and it's just, you guys had been working, so your, your competitors weren't,
0: Mm. you're ready to grow. Yep. Keep going. Yep. It was, I saw that happen. In a couple instances. So I knew that the other places didn't come back. They'd, they'd stayed home. Mm. Wow. So when did it start to shift in your brain to move to Idaho? (laughs)
1: Different, different state, different environment, you know, completely different.
0: Um, when was that? That was probably September of 2020 is when we started the, the trek across country. Uh, okay, we had, my, my wife had an aunt, uh, in the outskirts of Colorado and we went and visited her and we started driving up through Wyoming, went up to Casper, swung back down through, uh, Oh, not Cheyenne. What's the other place on the other side where university of Wyoming is? Uh, the we went kind of, yeah, we went through there and back around weren't really like sold on that area liked it it was it was good but i could tell that like casper was one of our uh, cities we were eyeing and i just felt like they didn't really have the market that i was looking for mm-hmm. um then that in november uh my wife's family we always get together for thanksgiving and they wanted to come uh, to idaho to come up here and check it out so they set up some uh vrbo houses in donley and mccall Uh and we started heading we all went that way we all met there and uh had thanksgiving there in that area loved it up there uh did some recon through the boise area and went to Nampa because they have Nampa Christians there. We were really wanting to make sure we were going to a Christian school because mm-hmm. that's where we'd send our boys in California. Um, then we started to talk to a customer that we had done business with, and he lived in Twin Falls, or outside. Of, he lived in Buell. And we didn't know that. We thought, like, oh, we just always – sent your stuff here like or your salesman came and picked it up but we didn't right. know we were based in Buell so he said hey I'd, I'd I think it'd be really cool if you moved here and if you did I'd do do more stuff with you all right so Tommy and I flew up met him and his uncle at Milner's for lunch mm-hmm. and started talking to him about the idea of us being here and having a shop here so that they could get their stuff from us locally. Yeah. Instead of us making it there and shipping it up. Okay. Yeah, we'll think about that. <laughs> saying, that's, that's an expensive move. You know what I mean? Yeah. Gotta
1: set up another shop.
0: So uh I remember going home and telling my wife how excited I was and how much how much I thought the meeting was amazing. And uh she started crying because <laughs> she could. See in my eyes that I loved it, yeah. And uh, March we did another recon trip <laughs> and went to Park City because we knew it was close by. We'd always wanted to take our boys skiing there. That's a cool city, and uh, that was really fun. Man, we did the uh, uh, Woodward Woodward Park and the, we did like the inner tubing down the yeah. down the hill. And if uh, you stayed there for a little while, came back through here, uh, got with a real estate agent that uh, the guys had passed on to us. And we met and what looked like at three houses. Uh, first house that we looked at uh, actually ended up being the same street we bought on. It wasn't the house that we got, but we that was the same street. Yeah. <laughs> uh, went back to California. And we said we we're going to do it. So we started prepping sort of. Uh, we were, we were in the middle of building a house or building a, a pool at our house and a huge remodel. And, you know, we thought we were making that our forever home, right? Yeah. Uh, and ended up just working real hard to finish it and sold it like <laughs> a month later. And we were off and we were headed here.
1: What did Tommy think?
0: Like his his business partner's moving away. Uh, he was really excited. Uh, he he saw that we had this opportunity, and and I think that that's uh, so why I mentioned that meeting and how we landed on that meeting. It was it was definitely it, it it feels like it was decided then in that meeting because he was on board. Wow! I I thought it was an amazing idea. Uh, we wanted an opportunity to have a place for our business to go if it really got bad because the restrictions were still there in California. And we felt like we needed a, a spot to go if we had to. And we would transition to here as the bigger shop, more of the productions here mm-hmm. ship gear back to California. Yes. Yeah. Our we had built relationships with the, everyone there, our customers there. They don't care where it's being made. They I just want, want their stuff. Get it on time at the right price? And yeah. Wow. So that was the, a long-term thought, or not long-term, but insurance. Yeah, defensive play, the idea that you don't want someone to tell you you can't work. <laughs> yep. <laughs>
1: and that's that's not good. Yep. Okay. So uh, you're at Twin Falls. You're, you're planning on uh, starting up an, another location, right? Uh, I know along the lines, you, you met, uh, a local shop and were able to work out a deal with them. Tell us a little bit about that.
0: Yeah. So, um, for probably a good six, seven months, I was working out of a building. I leased had some equipment in there, just really became a, a uh, an office for the most part. And the majority of the things I was doing was just dealing with my basic customers from California, and continuing to help them, you know, because because uh, Tommy couldn't take it all on, I, I had to still take care of my people, and uh, I, man, my my wife's friend lives in, uh, she lives in Iowa, she found that. Argo was for sale. We didn't. We didn't find it. Oh wow! Yeah, they. She found it on some biz buy sell. I think it was called, and sends us the link. She, like, you gotta check this out. It says it's in in eastern Idaho. I'm like what? Where? <laughs> what we're, you- we're in southern Idaho. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we start looking into it, and we we find out that it's Argo. Start talking to him about it. He's uh, really ready to sell. Having some having some health issues, and he's like, "I, I want I'm, I want to be done, uh, like now," you know. And this was like February, and by second week of March, I, I was in there, and it was my shop. Wow! And quick deal, very quick. But I I didn't. I felt like it was my spot, to where I could I could have that that base and a place to actually manufacture and even if it wasn't everything he said it was so be it i'd be able to turn it around and grow off of it and do it the way i want to do it
1: yeah has it been harder to um start with a business that already existed right so argo and and kind of take that over and grow it or was it harder uh early 2000s and building a business from scratch (laughs)
0: I think business from scratch is much harder um, because I had no experience at all. I had no way to fix things. Uh, and usually that meant just more time. So then that's that's Red Bulls and Rockstars till midnight. That's how you fix problems. Yeah. And now I know how to fix it just because I've done it enough. So it's, that it's, uh, this is easier. Yeah, when
1: you say fix it, are you talking about more like machine and equipment or or people problems or? Both.
0: Uh, Machines, not so much. A little bit. You know what machines you need to have in place, just like you know what people you need to have in place. But trying to change mindset and how I'd like things to go, the speed that I like, uh, those kind of things you have to retrain if you can.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it, one thing that people don't talk about in company mergers is the different cultures that uh, collide. Yeah. <laughs> it would be a good word for that. They There's different habits and different thought processes and, and, and speed is the word you used, right? Yeah. Of how to work. And so uh, has that been a difficult journey or, or surprising?
0: Uh, yeah. I feel like I, th- I think of the progressive commercial all the time because when he, when he says, hey, you don't need to print the internet. Like, that's the process that I see here is it's like, hey, I got an email, print that. Oh, oh, I I got this proof here, Uh, let's print that. I got a response on the email, let's print that email too. Yeah. And then I'll build a little pile and this is my order, you know? And it's like, man, we got to like think electronically just a little bit. Like, you guys are printing paper? Yeah. We can't do that. Costs money. Yeah. Every time you print something, you spend money. Yeah. Uh, well, I think more about the toner. Yep. I feel like toner is more expensive than the paper. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Okay. So, uh, where will Smith Promotions be in five years? What What's your goal? What are you heading for?
0: Uh. Hmm. I think of more here than I do uh, California. California is very set. You know, we 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 actually built and purchased that building. We're not going anywhere there. That's staying there. We need to su- sustain that uh, and just make sure we have good people in place. Not just just manage it, do the best that we can there. But here, I definitely want to grow. Uh, I I want to do something similar. I, I want to look for, you know, a building and build something the way I want it mm-hmm. so that it's it's kind of my own. Yeah, get to play Landlord. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's just there's something that comes with that, right, when it's like your standalone building. I, I saw that really grow our sales there. It, it kind of just, I don't want to put that, it kind of gives you instant clout or, mm-hmm. you know, they're like, oh, this is your building, this is your company, this it's different. There's a different customer that you get from having that set up. Yeah, it's, uh, I relate to that. It's planting your flag mm-hmm. in
1: that moment that says we're here and we're, gonna, we're not going anywhere. Like, we want to be a community partner, right? We want to help people, mm-hmm. not just make money, but help people.
0: Yes, you, that's definitely it. Pe- yeah. People see that differently. Businesses, especially, see that differently. And you want those, in both of our businesses, we want that business relationship with other businesses, not mm-hmm. just, anybody that walks to the door that wants a pom-pom beanie for Friday night football game, you know, like that doesn't, that doesn't grow your business.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, we have a lot of listeners that are, that are
1: entrepreneurs that want to be an entrepreneur that have a dream or a thought. Uh, what would you tell them to encourage them?
0: Uh, you, you just go, Jump and go! Don't think. If you really believe in what you're doing, you can figure it out. You can't. You can't wait. You can't sit and think that if I just get to this or I just do this, that's not the way to do it. I uh, you'll when your back's against the wall, that's when you're you're, you're going to be able to figure out whether or not you're an entrepreneur.
1: Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna point out in your story.
0: Um, Throughout
1: your whole journey, the last 20 years, every time things got hard, you got really smart. Uh, For example, you're trying to run a skate shop, so then you start an internal marketing team that prints its own t-shirts to reduce your costs, and you would give them out so that you'd grow sales. Not many companies would think to do that. Congratulations. <laughs> that's that's pretty smart. Fast forward to to a little bit later in, in COVID, and you started calling customers ahead of time, knowing their orders are coming to bring in revenue because you saw revenue dipping, right? There were a lot of people that sat there and didn't do anything, right? So uh, congratulations to you. And then obviously here in, in Idaho and building a brand here and, and taking those same values, you're being smart about it here too. And so shout out to you. Uh, it's something that, I, that I've noticed throughout your story that's that's inspiring.
0: Yeah. I That man, I appreciate that. I think it's I'm always wanting to find a different way to grow. You know, like in I think when you like sit and wait, that's when it's not you you're not doing yourself any favors in your business. And that that in like some of the things I've heard even like in a lot of our discussions and you guys talk about like building culture, that's that's building culture is no, we're not going to wait. We're not going to sit here and just wait around and hope that something's going to happen, you know. And I, and I think that was a lot of part, a lot of the reason we wanted to move to Twin Falls, Idaho. In general, we wanted, you know, the majority of people to be a conservative base of people to have that similar set of values. That no, I don't wait on the government to hand me something. I'm going to go do it and figure it out myself. And that that was that was lost in California, that overall feeling of the majority of the people being, have, having conservative values. Yeah. Uh, last question I have for you, uh,
1: if you were to look back and talk to yourself, uh, in 2000, when you're starting that skate shop, uh, when you're, when you're working, uh, what would you tell yourself?
0: Wow. Hmm. It's not that bad. Just keep working. That's probably what I would say.
1: Just keep pushing. Yeah, I like it. Well, thanks, Rob. Appreciate you being on the show today. Uh, Where can we find out more about you?
0: Uh, Website is probably the best place to see what we do, and it's just smithpromos.com.
1: Smithpromos.com.
0: That's it. There'll be some videos and places that show pictures and video of our story. But then, if you click shop, that'll there's like so many products on there it's confusing so yeah a <laughs> lot a lot that you do what are what are all of the services that you do um you know it, i could say in-house is is screen printing embroidery so make a lot of t-shirts a lot of sweatshirts hats jackets uh we have vendors that we work with that uh do more of the cups and
1: yeah promotional uh, products,
0: golf balls and that kind of stuff. Do you get major brands like Titleist or Callaway? Yeah, you can get all major brands, uh, which I feel like those are the best value, you know, I mean, anybody who golfs, or, you know, can get a box of Pro V1s for 45 bucks with your logo on it. You know, it's not that bad when you think about that's yeah. less than what the box is. I was say, retail. That's
1: going you pay more than that when you go buy some.
0: Yeah. So I think that's cool. Um, a lot of people have like Stanley lately, all the Stanley cups with like the straw. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty neat that we can get that with your logo less than retail.
1: Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, cool. Well, Rob, appreciate you being here today. Uh, Thank you so much. No problem. Thanks for listening to the show today. We had a great time hearing Rob's story. He's a great example of what having perspective and using your head can do for your business. Hardships will come your way, but they only set you back if you let them. Life is short, make a ruckus.